0: And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio
1: is live from the bunker.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome. Here we are. Another day... Another cloudy, foggy, rainy day here, but that's okay, because you all bring the sunshine, right? Or something? (laughs) Welcome everybody, we are live from the bunker, deep beneath world headquarters. My name is Jason Hott, I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me and i have made progress i will show you i'll brag a little bit i've made progress on getting all the receipts into one pile math math is being done folks try to get all that done We are live, but we're also available as a podcast on various different platforms. And if you do listen to us as a podcast, we do invite you to check out the live video, which is now on four four platforms. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, yes, we are uh, <laughs> we we have listeners from all over the world: Germany, Poland, South Korea, Mexico, Canada. Happy to have all of you with us. And uh, we do invite your comments, whether it's live as part of the show or by email or a comment afterwards. (coughs) You can send an email live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom And I do read every comment, even the spam bots. I do read the emails. Even the complaints. And I forgot to mention last night uh, on the H2O podcast, we got, a, we got a, co- uh, a comment last night. Let me address this first. Because this is something that I was not expecting. But let's talk about it for a second. There was a, a show that Mr. Harvey and I did a number of months ago. On Buckaroo Banzai, and the fact that we had not gotten a sequel and the series that Kevin's supposed to, we talk, We had an entire. We spent an entire hour, hour and a half, however long it was, talking about Buckaroo Banzai and the and and the state of things. <clears throat> and it was that was what a 100, episode hundred and thirty two or something like that it was. It was a couple of years ago. And we get a comment on it this this past week. <clears throat> Somebody wanted to correct us in our pronunciation. Telling us that it's Banzai. Because it's not a tree. It's not Bonsai. And I, I, I was like, well, is it? So I go back and I play various different clips from the movie. And it's buckaroo bonsai. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm not saying bonsai, like the bonsai tree. I'm saying bonsai, like Han Solo, Khan Noonien Singh. It's buckaroo bonsai. Now, I do appreciate the comment because it shows... That new people are finding us all the time, and they're going back and listening and watching stuff that we have had out there for a very long while. And it's great when we get new people in the audience. We're constantly growing, and that's a sign of that growth. If somebody comes in and makes a comment on a video that we posted two years ago, great. Yay, us. It means we're reaching new people. (coughs) no thanks to the YouTube algorithm speaking of which okay so I said we're on four platforms most of you are used to the idea that we're broadcasting live to YouTube that's where we go that's where we've been broadcasting forever and you also know that we've been broadcasting to Odyssey not too many people watching us over there Bianca fights the zombies Usually shows up over there. So not too much interaction on Odyssey. And that's okay. That's fine. I'm not looking for specific numbers. And then uh, after a conversation that I had with Brahma Bull about, uh, about Twitch... It turns out, apparently, Twitch is no longer enforcing that 24-hour exclusivity rule they have in their terms of service. So, we've been broadcasting, simulcasting to Twitch as well for the last week or so. And now, as of yesterday, it started last night, we are broadcasting live to Rumble. Because... There's no fee involved and and Brahms said they're not they're not doing the fee anymore you don't have to pay for it and sure enough we're able to broadcast live so so last night's h2o podcast was our very first live Rumble cast, I guess you could call it and today <laughs> excuse me today, today is our first Live from the bunker rumble cast. And I, so I just go far to say that I really like that rumble cast. I think that's what they've been calling it. It's not that's not I something like that like I say. I well, no, but I feel like the H two O Rumblecast should be a pay per view event for wrestling <laughs> between you and Tim. Oh so no. So no, no. now I'm trying to figure out if you have the live from the rumble brunkerble i i'm trying to figure <coughs> out how to best say live from the rumble cast thunderdome I, I mean i i mean i'm sure people would probably get a good kick out of you and i trying to have some type of wrestling match here, but now, we're not a channel that's behind a paywall that would properly that's do not, that. That's not gonna happen. Even if we had a paywall, that's <laughs> not gonna happen. It's we could not. get the dogs involved, they could do a rumble cast. But one thing I have noticed about Rumble and, and and I'm not sure exactly how this is working, because this this is this is a new thing for me, and I'm trying to figure out how how this works. So we're broadcasting to Rumble. I set it up uh, this morning, I think. And there's a little eyeball on the page. And beside the eyeball, there's a number 87. And I'm thinking, that can't be right. Because last night, during H2O, it's it was sitting at 22. I was like, no, we don't have 22 people watching over on Rumble. Nobody knows we're over here yet. And afterwards, that number went up, it jumped to 176 and then 187 and then 200 and something, and I thought, hold on a minute. That can't be right. And I think what I'm seeing, and I, I have to look into this, because I don't, I don't know Rumble. I don't know the, the the stats, how to read all of this stuff with Rumble, because we haven't done it before. This is, this is our very second... Live stream to Rumble, so I have to learn a whole new set of uh, set of things here. <clears throat> my my guess is that this is an impressions number, and then you have the watch number of people who actually watch. But I don't know what Rumble considers to be a watch number. Do they count of is is the view count based on a particular amount of time that they spend watching the thing, or or just they click it and that counts? That's my question. If anybody knows, I would like to know. Because, I, I, you know, it helps to get a good, accurate picture of what's going on. There's Cam over there in the chat on Rumble. Cam is our very first Rumble chat person. So congratulations, Cam. Uh, you win bragging rights. What, uh, what Stan Lee called the no prize award, right? Uh, OK. <coughs> so I don't it's it's. I don't know. It's strange. All right. Mazer says live from the bunker, always on the lookout for the holly woke who are live from the bunker buster. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know that we need a bunker buster. I mean, that would kind of kind of defeat the purpose of having the bunker. Right, really? Uh, maybe? Possibly? I don't know. But hey, I'm that much closer to getting my taxes done, so I'm I'm in a fairly good mood. Oh yeah, Hollyweird is is about right. Now we've got uh, we've got a conversation we're going to have today about Shazam. Uh, Paul Paul DeGarabedian is going to be here. He is from ComScore. And uh, he's uh, he's coming in as soon as he gets done with a meeting. He's jumping in here, so I'm, I'm vamping a little bit. But I, I did notice something. There was something online that I saw this morning that has me scratching my head a little bit. <clears throat> this is obviously not from a country where English is the first language, so let me set that up. But this is a sign, maybe at a school of some sort, And it reads, and I quote, (coughs) Why chess has been suspended till further notice. 1. No respectful between players. Follow basic chess etiquette. Have manners. 2. Chess boards are full of food and liquid. 3. Refusal to reset boards after play. Four, books below gameplay are left a mess. Five, chess has created behavioral issues. Six, roaming chess gangs interrupt matches during lunches. I'm not making this up. Those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, I have the sign up in the video. You can see as a visual aid right here. See, this is this is the beauty of live television here. I can show you. This I'm showing you this. Seven, skipping class time to play chess. Eight, you're here for school, not chess. Get a grip, stop obsessing. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. Aside from the grammatical structure that clearly indicates that English is not not the, this person's first language. But there is some stuff in here that is just absolutely rude and d- inconsiderate no matter who you are. But especially in chess. I mean, chess? You don't reset the board after you finish the game? I mean... Who does that? That's just that's that's heathen behavior. That's ungentlemanly. You should always reset the chessboard when you get done with the game. I and and chessboards are full of food and liquid. Are you eating and drinking around a chessboard? Are you really that uncouth? I mean, this is a school. So maybe these are kids. Maybe I don't know. <clears throat> but five and six—that's uh, you know—I can understand skipping class time to play chess. You get you get good at playing chess. This is something you enjoy doing. It, it's it's a it's a it's a way to pass the it time. It's a release. It's an escape. Okay, fine. But chess has created behavioral issues. How? Uh, how 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 does chess create behavioral issues i mean think about this what does chess do what is ch- chess chess is a game of strategy critical thinking anticipation planning being able to conceive and and imagine several different possible moves and outcomes. And if I do this, this could happen. If I do this, this could happen. I mean, that's critical thinking skills. That's valuable in the real world. Because if you sit there and have a decision tree in your head, well, if I robbed this bank, what would happen? Those, you know, they, it, there's an application here where people can, you know, well, if I do this, bad things happen. If I do that, good things happen. Chess helps you learn to anticipate. Okay, well, if I, if I make this choice, you know, chess involves consequences of choice. And I don't know any other game that teaches players, teaches people how to anticipate consequences. And I don't know that I've ever heard anybody describe it that way. But chess really is... If I do X, then Z could happen, or A could happen, or three could happen, and you and you have to make a choice based on whatever your best option is. But roaming chess gangs? I, I mean h- how does that work exactly? <laughs> I, I it's like, like the T birds and the pink ladies? bloods in the Crips going around, hey, this is my this is my chess port. I mean really chess? Chess is not uh chess is not where I would associate gangs with any any of this. Um roaming chess gang. Now I can see where people, you know. Groups of kids would wander around and interrupt games and just sort because you're always got the bullies and the jocks who think they're better than everybody else, you know, whoever. And, and the people generally wa- playing chess are going to be the, you know, the geeks and the nerds and the smart people, right? And the, they're usually the ones that get picked on. So I can see bullies going around, but really they're calling them chess gangs, it, do they have Do they have tattoos of a of a rook on their shoulder or something? Or what's What's on their jacket? A pawn, pawn and a bishop. I mean, how does that work exactly? What's your criteria for membership in a roaming chess gang? Do you have to win so many gang uh, uh, games? Uh, Do you have to flip over so many different chess boards in order to qualify? How do you qualify for a roaming chess gang? Makes no sense. But within the context of modern society, of course there are roaming chess gangs. Remember, my 2023 bingo card is fill in the blank. I did not expect to see that this morning. But I'm also not that surprised. And then... (laughs) All right, so Cam over on on Rumble says, you got to target and beat up a random checkers player. (laughs) (laughs) I'd go after the backgammon people. All right, the other thing that, that came out, this was yesterday... And I'm not sure how I feel about this. And, and I apologize, folks, ahead of time because my eyeline is going to be everywhere because I've got all four. I don't know if you've, you've notice here, but I've got all four of the broadcast streams up top. So every now and again, I'm going to be glancing up because that's where the chat is at this point because that's that's how we're doing it. But this came in yesterday, <clears throat> and I'm not sure how I feel about this. This is part of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary stuff. And it's something, I'm not sure exactly what this is. This is something called Doomsday. And this is is apparently some comedian in the UK who's playing a character named Doom who's being chased by another character named Death. And this is apparently going to be some major crossover thing between television, or vid- video, maybe, web, comics, uh, Big Finish. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to work, but a lot of people are making comparisons to the Time Lord Victorious that came out here, what, a couple of years ago, and that didn't really go as well as everybody had hoped. But... Uh... I I don't know about this because this teaser promo, let me turn the audio off. I just want you to look at the video of this. It's obviously green screen. It's not very good green screen. I mean, this is this is 80s, 80s and 90s visual here. This is I don't I don't know about this. I don't know what this is. And a lot of people are sitting there going, What is this? This doesn't look like... This is what the Disney Plus money gets us? (sighs) I don't know. Now, one takeaway that I have... Because this character of Doom is searching for the Doctor. And... Toward the end here, let me let me pop this up, and you can hear what Doom says about the Doctor. Here. Let's...
1: Tell them I'm on my way.
0: All right. Hang on. Let me...
1: I'll go out in flames. A lot of flames. Well, it'll be better than what's coming for me. If you see the Doctor, tell them I'm on my way.
0: Did you catch it? If you see the Doctor tell them I'm on my way. I'm not sure about this. It could be something... It, It could be the children's charity type of thing that they do with the red nose stuff every year. But if this is a serious, legitimate thing, I have questions. I have concerns. Not just because the quality of this is dodgy, but if we're going to get into pronoun speak on a regular basis on our stuff, then... There might be some issues. <clears throat> Cam says if anyone deserves to be a them, a person with 13 people is it? I mean, I okay. But the doctor is not 13 people all at once. It's not multiple personalities. It's past lives. It's kinda different. And I maybe I think you could probably make an argument for a joined trill being a they. Maybe. But not the Doctor. Not that it matters. Because if... If David Tennant... Of <laughs> the five Doctors. If David Tennant and Russell Davies cannot save Doctor Who in the specials, then it's not going to matter what we call to It's really not. Doomsday... Disney Plus money, none of it's going to matter. If the 60th anniversary specials don't go over, ratings-wise, and the Christmas special and all of that stuff, if that doesn't bring enough people back to Doctor Who, then Mr. Gatwa may not have a very long stint as the Doctor. So... Anyway, I we ran I ran across that. Went, we've got that in the stack for Saturday morning's news program uh, for Good Morning Multiverse, but I wanted to share that with you today because I have I have questions. I have questions. I really do. All right, let me see what's going on here. A time saving. Hey, somebody is offering me a time saving idea. Somebody who could help me reduce up to 60% of the time spent handling costs using their top-tier tool. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I don't know about that. Okay, here we go. Let me uh, let me do this, this, that, and the other. Uh, hang on a second here. Drop that in there. There we are. Paul DeGarabedian joins us now. He is the Senior Media Analyst for Comscore and host of a couple of different podcasts, Many Screens, Big Picture, and a Ticket to Ride, which he co-hosts with Mike Poliduros. Paul, welcome, sir. I better unmute, huh, Jason? <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you, sir. Well, um, let's let's talk a little bit about Shazam. Uh, Shazam Shazam fury of the guys because this is um that came out? kind of a mess a little I mean here's 30.5 million dollars domestically
1: it well, that headline dismal yes <laughs> dismal
0: well the original projections going into the weekend uh I saw anywhere between 35 and 40. That's right. And the numbers.com right. had run some run some math and said yeah realistically probably closer to 31 and and this 30.5 is even even less than
1: that. Yeah, the, and the first film opened to 53.5 million.
0: Right, which adjusted exactly. for inflation now it comes in about what 42, I think this is what they said.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh, <laughs> adjusted back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, April 5th, 2019, the first Shazam came out. I just felt like, I don't know if it was about the marketing or what. I just didn't notice. I don't think this film had the the footprint psychologically, if you will, on the, on audiences. And plus Scream 6 out there doing really well. Creed 3, you know, at both those, Creed 3 and Scream 6 uh, posting franchise best debuts and so but i don't know that anyone anyone was saying that about shazam that it was going to nobody was saying it was going to beat the 53 and a half million of the first one and now john wick's poised to probably do a franchise best so it's been a great march for most movies but for shazam that was a and remember jason you know better than anyone anything that has dc comics imprimatur on it (laughs) or has that branding there's just this higher expectation for what a movie like that is going to do and the. You know, the studio was saying, well, this is a and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing very loosely, like a journey on the way to get to writing the ship for D.C. And that this is kind of a carryover from a previous regime. So all those caveats uh, in the mix, for sure.
0: Well, how much of that do you think factors into this? Because James Gunn comes out, he does this big video speech. Here's all these new 10 projects we're going to do, part of this new D.C. universe and he says, yeah, we've got we've got Shazam, we've got Aquaman, we've got the Flash. And he s- focuses specifically on the Flash and says, this is our reset button. And he mentions the others. Blue, Be- I mean, we still don't know anything about Blue Beetle. It's a black hole at this point because we don't right. know where it's going to fit. And some people are sitting there going, well, if the Flash is a reset button and it comes out after
1: Shazam, why are we even bothering with Shazam? Yeah. And that I I understand why people think that too. But you know that the movie's done. They have to put it out there, right? So, I mean, it's just one of those things where sometimes you have to clear out movie. And I hate to say it that way because every movie has value. uh, Of course, a lot of people work on them and not to dismiss all the work that goes into even movies that people either don't like or critics don't (laughs) like every day on set. And I've been on set uh, with movies and while they're making movies, nobody's expecting it to be a bomb or not liked by the by the critics or audiences. But this is, in a way, just a, a step on that journey. I, I'm still hopeful for DC, Jason. I, I And if it's all just going to be like reimaginings like the Batman or uh, Joker, that's fine with me. But that's not creating the kind of universe that's going to be, I think, in step with the whole ethos of, of DC. I don't know. Yeah. But if you look at the movies that worked for dc very different than the ones that aren't and it seems to be the ones that are pushing the envelope and again the batman a great example just a wonderful movie the robert pattinson batman uh the batman and of course um you know joker which doesn't really even feel like it's not really a superhero movie but it's part of the dc Brand, if you will. So yeah, but those yeah, really, but
0: those are going to be Elseworlds titles now. I mean, they're not part of the yeah. main continuity, and and they're sitting outside of everything else. Yeah, and and you mentioned the marketing before. Zachary Levi has come in and talked about that a little bit. Now, some some of the some of the media is trying to spin that with the whole Snyder thing. You know, toxic fans okay. and whatnot. But the marketing on this really. If you compare, and and you could you could compare the marketing for the latest Ant Man on this as well. The first two Ant Man movies were heist movies, and they were yeah. small, and they were self contained, and they were personal, and they were they were smaller stakes. Yeah, you know, they were more personal stakes than they were the grand epic we've got to save the universe type things. Yeah. Shazam yeah. the same way. The first Shazam, he gets his powers. He's got to battle Savannah. It's it's a it's a one on one thing. It's a more personal thing. You've got the family aspect to it. And now you have this battle of the gods sweeping thing, daughters of Zeus. And and <laughs> Quantumania yeah. the same way. We're setting up this this giant universe you know, threat to the universe thing And what's supposed to be a smaller picture. And I think that disconnect
1: Jason, is, is just, hurting it. You've absolutely nailed it. That you you should be advising them because <laughs> <laughs> right by, to check too. Yeah, by doing what they did, like you're locked into doing these films and then they get in a box where it's like, well, now if we have to do a second or third or fourth installment, where are we going to go with this? And then they always have to go bigger you know in terms of the scope of the movie or go or, or go grander with the metaphysical part of yeah. it some crazy fantasy stuff that just destroys the movie and i think the better uh, I, for me i would just deconstruct everything and go back to the origin stories and make them more personal movies now john wick coming up tomorrow tomorrow night uh, the preview you know the pre uh, friday screenings to happen John Wick is a great example. You could compare that to a superhero movie. He is, in a way, a superhero. But somehow they've avoided, even though the movies have gotten much longer, this one's like two hours and 49 minutes. Oh, wow. The first movie, I think, was an hour and 37 minutes or 36 minutes. I'm going from memory. But um, that, that they've kind of kept on track, though, in terms of of what the the point of view is and what audiences know what to expect. But you're absolutely right. A heist movie it, it, within that milieu, <laughs> to use a fifty-dollar word, uh, can work, and people can grab onto that. And the whole, you know, the the whole premise of that first Ant Man movie was was great. So, and then Shazam, you make a great point. They told what, Fury of the Gods, where did that, you know, why go that direction? But yeah. and the audience has spoken. I mean, they definitely just because you stamp the superhero genre on something doesn't mean it's going to be an automatic win at the box office especially since they're very expensive movies to make on top of that how much
0: do you think it matters that the shazam titles came through new line cinema as opposed to warner brothers i mean they're they're not necessarily lower tier because you're spending as much money on them as you are anything else but if it's not a Warner Brothers picture, if it's a New Line cinema picture, does that minimize it in some way? From I don't a, think from to the audience,
1: point? although the audience for this genre are very savvy, but the traditional, the general audience out there, whether it's a New Line picture or not, I don't know that they're like, ooh, it's not New Line. I'm, no. Or it's New Line, doesn't have as much value as the Warner Brothers picture. But then again, you don't want to underestimate the fans of, of comic book movies and superhero movies, because they are very well versed in all this stuff. But I wouldn't count any because you can have movies come from, a, a, like, like you said, not a lower tier, but a different tier, and be as good or better than the movie from the big, you know, the, right. the big ticket brand or the big ticket distributor arm.
0: Well, I think the other the other aspect of that because we talk about you know this the size and the scope of Ant Man, the heist movie, and if you look back at the first three phases of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they did right that I don't think DC has quite got a handle on, and I'm hoping James Gunn understands what he's got to do next. Yeah. But the, the Marvel movies succeeded, I think, because they weren't doing superhero movies. You had a World War Two picture. You had a heist movie. You had a political intrigue thriller. A James
1: Bond. Ja- style. Yeah, a
0: James Bond thing. You had all of these different style movies with superheroes. You know, yeah. It wasn't. It Comedy. wasn't the superhero first. Mm. The superhero came after. They said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do three days of the Condor with Captain mm. America."
1: Yep. Exactly. And that I love. And that was the thing that worked. I remember having discussions five, six, seven, eight years ago about how you could the reason other brands weren't doing well or other genres was for comedy, let's say, for example, or romantic comedies was because you were getting comedy elements in superhero movies. You were getting the James Bondian style uh, gadgets and intrigue in a superhero movie, action, adventure, comedy. Even family film stylings within the context of these superhero movies, so they use the superhero as a framework for other genres, yeah. and we're able to mix that in. And you're absolutely right, but that when coming from an authentic place, it's sort of like the greatest American hero. That TV show, uh, that character was yeah a superhero, but he was very human at his core, and that was more of like a an action crime. I don't know how you would describe fantasy film but at its heart it had um it 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 could you anyone who liked any let's say you were a comedy fan but you weren't necessarily a superhero person you could watch the greatest american hero tv show and everyone could get something out of it because like you said it wasn't a superhero thing first it was a human story and then wrap within the framework of having a character that is a superhero it just makes it so compelling but that's not as easy as it looks, I guess, to pull that off.
0: Well, and, and that's that's something we talked about with the new D&D movie as well, the the accessibility. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. Okay, have I'm not, not going to get into spoilers, but uh, <laughs> one thing that we have talked about, because Tim and, Tim Harvey and I have both seen it, it works on multiple levels. It's accessible mm-hmm. to the hardcore DD gamers, RPG player type right. people. It's uh it it's accessible to people who have played in the past. Maybe they don't play DD anymore, but they used to. They they got it. And it's also accessible to people who have absolutely no idea what DD is all about. <laughs> and yeah. that's what you've got to do. And and it's like you're talking about with Greatest American Hero, with Ant Man, with any kind of, of film that is a superhero film, you've got to have something that people can latch on to even if they don't understand the trappings of what it is that i'm looking at i i don't know capes from capes how do how do i what do i get out of this film
1: and if it's just a traditional superhero tropes and that's it with nothing to hang your hat on thematically or well i guess emotionally more than anything or character driven uh motivation and that kind of thing that's what people gravitate toward every every movie that's successful in my opinion at its core is a great human story and well-written and no matter what the genre, you can find elements to to um, latch onto that appeal to a not only a, a, a small audience, but a main, you know, th- those real aficionados, but to a broader audience who sometimes can be initiated into the world of the superhero by watching movie like Logan or Deadpool or the Joker or the Batman or the, and the Chris Nolan Batman movies as well. Those movies work because, I mean, especially the first one starts off with a heist, right? Right. And uh, it's not just about being a heist movie. But, I mean, these all have elements of car chase movies and and heist movies and all that. And there's a reason that worked in the 60s with movies like Bullet and The French Connection and other films like that. And a reason why they work today. It's just something about them that's very cinematic. Still have to have a great story and storytelling. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, though. You look at... You know, you can't lay it at the doorstep of a of too many uh sequels because you could have a John Wick 10 that could be amazing, right? And right. you're gonna have a John Wick 4 that I haven't seen, but can't wait to see it. So it's not about the number after the title, it's about what are you doing with it. And people are pretty smart. They'll and critics, not always in lockstep with the 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 fans, but you can always smell when there's kind of something great brewing and when there's something <laughs> not. So,
0: and, pretty, and speaking, awesome. speaking of that, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about Dwayne Johnson because Dwayne Johnson is the elephant in the room on this. And it's coming out. The rap had this big article about he, how, how Johnson maneuvered and manipulated and tried to basically become the central star of the new DCEU and put Black Adam against Superman, which is understandable. His ex-wife is the manager for both Johnson and Henry Cavill, and let's do a little marketing here. <laughs> but the other, the other aspect of that is, you know, Black Adam is a Shazam villain. And if he puts the kibosh on Captain Marvel showing up in a Black Adam movie— and he puts the kibosh on any kind of a confrontation between Black Adam and Captain Marvel, and he is Captain Marvel, uh, That that kind of uh, that kind of kneecaps the franchise, the possibilities for yeah. what kind of stories you tell. Because originally, according to reports, the Justice Society from the Black Adam movie was supposed to recruit Captain Marvel into their stuff, and Johnson apparently wouldn't let it happen. And yeah. instead of Captain Marvel showing up at the end of Black Adam, it was Superman. And then Henry Cavill is bounced from Superman. And now, what do you do?
1: Wow. Yeah, you, that's you just you opened a lot there, a lot to unpack there. I think, <laughs> Jason, you always do. You you get this stuff better than anyone. Um, I think it's uh, it shows you the power. I mean, I'm gonna talk in more general terms. Sure. But it shows you the power that stars have to especially major stars to uh, facilitate or I don't know, or, or not facilitate the direction of the creative path Mm -hmm. of a studio or a universe. And if you don't have the talent on board, especially if they're key talent and they're not able to combine, like, by the way, all the things you just mentioned, combining these various superheroes, from different universes into different, into movies together, that's a time honored thing, even on television, you know, combining doing episodes of combining disparate, but similar uh, shows into one. And those characters interacting where you, it's like, you know, when Pacino and De Niro were in heat together, it was like, wow.
0: I got got you beat. I got you beat. The greatest (laughs) crossover ever is Magnum P.I. and
1: Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> oh, there you go! I like it. I like it. Happened. It. it happened. It <laughs> happened. I don't remember. And I was a yeah. big Magnum PI fan. The original yep. Magnum PI.
0: CBS did that because they were they were both CBS shows. So Magnum PI. Now Magnum PI also crossed over with Simon and Simon. But yeah, Magnum PI. Oh, I love and, Simon and Simon. And, I remember and that Murder show. She Wrote. That that was a that was a thing. And just
1: <laughs> as a sidebar, you'll end pre- up going totally for memory. But I remember on the Rockford Files. uh Tom Selleck played this very suave, uh, very clean-cut square private detective or something that came into Jim Rockford's world. And Tom Selleck talked about how James Garner's like the biggest star in the world, yet showcased Selleck. And this might have been before Magnum P.I. on his show, but it was really cool to see those two interacting. And uh, James Garner had no ego about it because – Tom, as tall as James Garner was and is in my mind, um, Tom Selleck was just like this perfect specimen at that time. Yeah. And Garner just welcomed him in with no, and I heard that about Garner. Anyway, I digress into, into (laughs) seventies episodic television, but you got me thinking with the murder, she wrote Magnum PI crossover.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, there, there are stories now about Tom Cruise kind of being that same way. Um, apparently, there's a, there's a scene from Mission Impossible that's floating around, and uh, a French actress who plays a cop who's about to get shot, apparently, she has a line in that scene that was supposed to be Cruz's line, and he says, no, you do it, because it makes more sense for you to say it. And she's like, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the first time that I've ever had an actor a star even right. Give me their line. And here it is, is Tom Cruise. And, and well, look just at Tom con-
1: Cruise with Henry Cavill. Yeah. In that, in the fight scenes and, and all, all that in the previous, that was in the previous, um, yeah, or think- no, the one before that. Right. <laughs> anyway, one of the mission, one of the more recent mission impossible movies, Henry Cavill heavily featured. And you could argue that, I mean, Cavill is just an imposing presence and Cruz was just like, let's, Let's bring him in. Let's kick some butt. And he didn't seem to have any ego about it. Now, that's not to say every star is perfect and that everyone would do that. But uh, I think it's great to to see that kind of collaborative effort. And it just shows the confidence. By the way, if you're Tom Cruise and you don't have confidence, <laughs> you, got, I mean, I don't know what's got, I mean You jump a motorcycle off a cliff. I think you can uh, yeah. handle handing a line to another actor right. or having someone who's taller or bigger than you come into a scene with you or that kind of thing well and so, those yeah, are the, those are
0: the stories you know you talk about Dwayne Johnson and Ego those are some of the stories that we're hearing like Fast and Furious for example oh yeah and yeah. the other the other part of it was with the Black Adam premiere you know Johnson wanted to have a, a tequila stand out for his brand we're like mm-hmm. no wait a minute this is not th- hold on <laughs> What are you doing here? Are you using the movie to sell your liquor? Or are you are you here to sell the movie? I mean that that right. just his his motivations as reported, his behavior as reported seems to call into question what his
1: motivations are with you know getting what, involved in, most, in this stuff. In most businesses, that would be a smart move, right, to bring in your sure. brand. But this is the movie. It's a little and. Johnson knows this better than anyone, but I mean, it's a different type of business when it comes yeah. to that,
0: and it's a completely different type of audience too. Because if you're telling superhero movies that are supposed to appeal to families, why are you? Why families am up- love <laughs> tequila, Jason. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll put it. We'll put them in the popsicles. I guess. There you I go. It's, Keep but, the kids calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and and the other thing too. You mentioned the 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 superhero thing and and the the people talk about superhero fatigue, but there's also this notion of, well, I can just watch it at home, and with with Shazam: Fury of the Gods, 32 days, where we already have a date for it to go digital on streaming and whatever. April.
1: Oh, is like, that 18? right? I didn't even realize. Oh, that's yeah. a quick. quick not, well, not, not that's even... the nature of the business today is that with. DCP and digital project. I mean, you can yeah, but, add screens, but That's screens. But that's screens. not even 45 days. I know. The dynamic window's there for a reason. And that's you know what? Crazy. It doesn't help. And by the way, theaters were really against anything less than 90 days, but then the pandemic hit, and you can do a whole show on that, yeah. uh, about the changing of the windows. But you know what? Dynamic windowing generally works because there's no benefit to a theater to have a movie in their theater 50 days, 60 days after release if it's not putting butts in the seats right rather they could devote that screen to a different movie it's going to fill more seats so yeah it's very but that again i actually like that it's dynamic like that mission um no top gun maverick shoot man i was in theaters like a few weeks ago still i mean it just well i had had
0: heard that tom cruise had had taken legal action to make sure that it would stay in theaters for as long as it was selling tickets good for him to, to avoid love. that thing but you know this idea it's going to be on amazon prime april 18th that's a 32-day window well you mentioned oh, for you know, shazam. yeah for, for shazam, shazam. Mm-hmm. the um the idea of having having movies in the theaters so we get audience in there the movie theaters is they're saying we've got to have at least a hundred theaters on our screens this year in order to survive
1: 100 it, movies.
0: Yeah. We've got to yeah. have a 100 plus. We we need product.
1: Yeah. Well, and well, it's I, all everybody about this. Streaming. We talked about this last year, Jason. I think uh in 2022 according to our comscore data, we had 41 fewer wide release films domestically and really worldwide than we did in 2019. 41 fewer wide release mm. films and that's going to go way up. This year probably have 30 more films than last year. And if if uh you know, if March is any indication, Shazam notwithstanding, we're going to have a hell of a March. And John Wick yeah. 4 coming out this week is poised for a perhaps a franchise best debut. So that's pretty pretty cool. Pretty
0: now, cool. you mentioned Comscore. We've got some new people that are that are
1: fresh to the channel. Why don't you go through real quick and run through what you do at Comscore? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm the senior media analyst for Comscore and I've been tracking and analyzing box office and I've been a, a film buff my whole life. But I've been tracking and analyzing box office and trends, uh, small screen and big screen, but particularly big screen trends for 30 years. I just celebrated my 30 years in the business uh, just in early March of this year. So I just love movies, though. First and foremost, uh, Jason and who's ever, you know, your audience. Um, I love movies, and I respect filmmakers. I have them in my family. Uh, And uh, it's for me, it's all about the movies first, and then the box office. So you look at something like The Fablemans. Didn't make a ton of money, but a phenomenal film. I mean, it's just like, it. one doesn't go with Babylon. I actually really liked, and (laughs) maybe people will discover it going forward. Didn't make a lot of money. Uh, So, yeah, that's what I do. And, And our company... We're we're a cl- cross-platform measurement company, so we measure digital, PVOD, small screen, big screen, pretty much everything, and gaming as well. Uh, in terms of the footprint, the revenues, the views, and the rankings of all those things.
0: When should we expect, or should we expect? Because I don't I don't know how much ComScore is able to track this stuff. Because uh, you've got Nielsen looking at watch time as far as streaming services go. You've got Samba TV looking at households. There's various different numbers out there that don't don't yeah. really give us an accurate picture of streaming performance. It's, it's when, tough. When can the we steam, get a model?
1: We're working on it. I mean, <laughs> the, the Netflixes of the world and the Amazons have to be willing to share that data yeah. publicly. You know, Once upon a time, uh, the, even the movie box office wasn't shared, not like it is today. And once that Pandora's box was opened, now it's become a big marketing hook. I mean, it has become. It's been that way for 50 years or at least since the early 80s when the box office was starting to be widely reported. Before that, Jason, it was just in the trades. I have some old varieties from the 70s and early 80s. Wow. And it just says in New York, this theater earned this on this movie. And if you look back at some old trade magazines, you'll have like, uh, I don't know, the some older movie. And it'll say Three Days of the Condor made, you know, 60 grand at the Lowe's, New York, you know, <laughs> Plaza, whatever, New York City Theater. So, yeah, I, for f- streaming, it's different, though. Because if you think about it, when you buy a ticket for a movie, that's one ticket for me, Yeah, one ticket for you for this particular movie. If it's a double feature like back in the day, it's a little different. But with streaming, some things are bought individually. You might rent or buy a single movie. That counts, right? Yep. But if it's a movie on a streaming service, how many movies do people start and stop and watch? not watch the whole thing? And then it's about also not just the number of views or how much the movie has made on streaming, quote unquote. What does that even mean? It could be about subscriber retention and lack of churn, you know, not yeah. not losing subscribers. So it's a whole different animal. It's much more complicated. The box well, office is still complicated, but for the movie box office, it's a much more direct correlation. Yeah.
0: Plus, you uh, have some some uh, instances where where they'll front load like say with obi-wan kenobi we got two episodes right out of the gate three episodes right out of the gate and people watch three episodes well that's more view time than if you just put out one episode and so now it's a hit all of this view time look at all these watch (laughs) minutes well that's kind of disingenuous i thought because
1: you're not you're you're not comparing apples to apples but Jason it's the wild west. I mean yeah. you can kind of inter- you know interpret or extrapolate the data any way you want when it comes to streaming because there are very different ways to measure each part of that delivery chain. So it's it's again not like one ticket, one movie, one person. It's a whole different thing. But but more importantly I think for for a company like Comscore and this is not an advertisement here we're not doing that. But what we're doing is we're combining everything. So if I know what you're watching on you know premium VOD and what movies you're seeing and how popular they are and all the and how many um, you know views on digital or web traffic for a particular movie or how people are you know what games are resonating with with the players, it's all that kind of bringing it all together because everything's combined. People who yeah. watch movies also go out to movies, they're gaming they're listening to music, they're doing all these things. So it's about bringing that whole universe together. But we don't have time to go into all that here.
0: <laughs> does <laughs> does streaming at one po- at what point do 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 people look at streaming as a loss leader at this point or are we just it's it's a it's an entry point, not a profit point? How do you I make money of that? That's a
1: boy, that's a that's a really tough question. I I think it's evolving. You know, we're still in the infancy of streaming, the way it stands today. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look very different, I'm sure, in five or ten years. Uh, and and again, I don't know what that's going to look like. What I do know, though, Jason, is that movie theaters are here to stay. And that's sort of a constant that yeah. survived through the the pandemic. And I'm the biggest cheerleader, unabashedly so, for the movie theater experience. So to, And it's interesting because when the p- pandemic hit, the movie theater industry was totally disrupted. Now, the movie theater industry, despite the ups and downs and hits and misses like Shazam, those, you know, and hits and and all that, all those various performances of individual movies, the movie theater industry, and I'm not saying it's back all the way, but it's certainly in a much more stable place than over the last two years. And then streaming now is kind of all over the place. It's more disruption there as everything gets figured out and equalized and we find some sort of equilibrium for that streaming industry. But I love it all because I want to watch content wherever I am.
0: <laughs> well, and, and if Comscore wants to advertise, I've got a package that's available. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this then because you've got, you've got domestic box office, you've got international box office, Megan not performing very well either. Uh, Megan, in, I thought did China. well. Jeez. Well, in China, in in China. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, no. I, I, yeah, I misspoke. So, how much? Because Bob Iger coming back to Disney, and now every, you know, we're getting Hollywood movies back in China. How much of a difference do you think that makes in the long run? I think it makes a big difference. Yeah.
1: Because in 20, and it makes a big difference for China. It's not just good for the the U.S. based movies to play in China because it. Every revenue stream helps and you know Avatar sort of op- the way of water opened the door for that. Mm. Then Black Panther was able to be released there and now it's kind of the the flood I don't want to say floodgates but it's opening up a lot more. Last year the China box office was well down although the China based titles do extraordinarily well in China. But now this year I think you're going to see China do better in terms of the box office, perform better because they're going to have more US based movies. Likewise it's good for the revenues the bottom line for these individual movies and for their studios so it's a form of cinematic detente i call it to kind of open that up and it helps both both sides because china definitely needs if they want if their movie industry and the theaters in particular want to thrive there's a big demand for us-based movies there and last year there were many fewer that were allowed there and you saw the box office go down a lot in china right you got a right. product like you said whether it be china or us or canada wherever you live the movies are what get people in and if you don't have as many of course the box office is and again if you think about it 41 fewer films in 22 versus 2019 if each of those had made and i'm i'm just throwing a number out 50 million dollars guess what that's two billion dollars in box office that would have put the box office at 9.5 billion for 22 instead of 7.5 so I'll leave it there
0: crazy times. All right. So yeah. re- real quick, let me get your reaction to Victoria Alonso being ousted from Marvel studios. What, what's the talk that you're hearing? I'm not hearing, I stay
1: out of that stuff, Jason. <laughs> 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 I'm strictly box office. I mean, I, I, you know, you never know what's, and that's a big deal, right? Cause yeah. she was there from the beginning or the Iron Man, you know, yeah, first 17 years. Yeah. That's amazing. I, when things like that happen, there's always more than we will ever know <laughs> and certainly more than I know. And But it's a big deal. When you have those major uh, people within those organizations, especially something like Marvel and <laughs> not a small thing, yeah. it, there's always more to – and I I know nothing. I'm just saying there's always more than meets the eye. I don't know what that was about. I, I'm more keyed into the box office stuff and all that. You're much more well-versed on, on the machinations of the – in our machinations. I never know how to say that, but uh, I I think you go either way. So, so, so (laughs) let me, let me,
0: let me say that when, when do you plan to see Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Well, I, I like to go see the movies in the movie theater with a paying audience on the Thursday preview on the Thursday night. Okay. All right. So
0: what the 30th?
1: Yeah. So I'm seeing John wick tomorrow night before it's official opening on Friday. Okay. And I will see D and D and I have a friend who's a journalist she is the biggest D&D fan in real life not just the movie but in real life so you're giving it at your thumbs up two thumbs it's, up it's i'm all it's a fun in. movie
0: yeah it's it's That's a fun great. movie
1: what do you uh, think about super mario you know that looks interesting i i, haven't,
0: it's be I a have a big not, one jason yeah i haven't played games uh for a while um i mean i i well um let me <laughs> let me show you. this this is my jam right here this atari you 2600 love it. Still works, but that's where I peaked, and uh, I I've I I not played anything since. But um, but the movie looks pretty good. It looks it looks fun. Um yeah. and I'm hearing positive buzz about it. So uh, hopefully it does be well a in the theater. Huge
1: movie. I think it's going to be. Uh, I don't know. I I I think it's going to cross over. I think people who grew up on Super Mario are going to want to see it. Kids, it's PG. It's animated. By the way, animated films based on video games tr- have done really well as of since 2016 with Detective Pikachu and obviously the Sonic the Hedgehog films and Angry Birds at least the first one did quite well. So I think uh the video game curse may be over at least when it comes to animated <laughs> uh, theatrical adaptations for right. those types of films. So we'll see right. a lot of fun stuff. Well, fun stuff.
0: once, once you've had a chance to see D and D we'll, we'll come back and, and discuss it. Cause I've, I've got a couple of things that I really want to talk about. And I
1: can't. <laughs> yeah. yet. I love it. So anyway, all right. Paul you we'll do post. I'll do something I never do. We'll do like a movie review of it.
0: We can, we can do that. We'll do it. We'll do a whole panel and we'll bring a bunch of people in and we'll talk Let's the end. Right
1: I'll now. be a part of that. No problem.
0: All right. You can find Paul DeGarabedian on Twitter. And yes. he is also the host. I've got a couple of Apple podcasts here, Mini screens, big picture and ticket to ride that he hosts. Well with done. Uh, Mike Paladouros. So those, uh, yeah. those are out there. The links to all of those are in the notes. Uh, across all four platforms, we're doing live stuff on various different things. That seems like it's all working
1: so far. So,
0: <laughs> so Always are, great we, to be here, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Good to have you. And a uh, reminder for everybody, tomorrow night, we've got the ranker Pit, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And then uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the Disney stuff with Cameron Pasha and uh, all sorts of fun stuff of course open line Friday coming up on Friday and uh, and we'll do it all again next week Paul thanks very much for being here sir we will definitely uh, have to do this sooner rather than later
1: you on the D&D yes telecast. we will do that
0: <laughs> alright all right, man
1: have a good one
0: you too and all of you Goodbye, can Jason. you can all connect with us on all the different social media platforms uh, sign up for our discord our newsletter All that good stuff. And we will be back to do this again tomorrow. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God's got a plan for you. And there are four
1: lights. This has been a presentation of SciFi4Me.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to scifi For me Radio.